Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. We've been going through a series, or I've been going through, and it's been my turn to talk, I've been going through a series on wisdom. And we've been looking at the wisdom that God gives to us in regard to uh, general life, covering many, many different subjects. And we're up to the fourth subject, which has been the whole um, issue of your relationship and my relationship to money. And so we want to be able to look at that today, and we want to be able to um, challenge our thoughts, challenge anything that we may have been taught before, and we want to be a- and we want to be able to. Uh, look into the scriptures today to see what the scriptures are saying in regards to this particular topic. So we're just going to take a moment and we're going to just pray and we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Father, we just thank you so much that your word is life. Your word is the true compass. It always points to true north. Lord, it's the thing that never changes. You said, I am the Lord and I change not, Lord. And you've laid down your word and it's the plumb line for our lives. And we pray, Father, as we look into the word of God today, we pray that you would challenge us, inspire us, that, Lord, you would bring any correction in our lives in which the word of God would, Lord, be able to shape us and mold us. We pray, Lord, help us to keep a soft heart. Uh, before you and before the Word of God this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you said that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make one free. So God, we don't want to live in bondage. We want to live in freedom. We want to be able to live, Lord, in the land of promises, the promises of your Word this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, hallelujah. Amen. If you can just mute everything, Sue, except for my channel, that would be good. Thanks very much. Okay, Proverbs 24, verse 3. This is what it says. Through wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. Through wisdom, your house, my house, the house of God, our house is established by wisdom and understanding. Therefore, my prayer and the prayer that You and I can learn to pray, and that's why I regularly read the book of Proverbs, because the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. So even in my Bible reading plan, if I'm going through the Word of God, and I'm in 2 Kings, or I'm in Matthew, or Mark, or Luke, I still read a chapter of Proverbs every day, because Proverbs will bring wisdom and understanding into your life. And it just so happens that there are 31 Proverbs, so there's a proverb for each month of the calendar, Uh, each day of the calendar month. So it's a great habit to get into. So uh, our house is built through wisdom. And uh, Jesus taught on this and he said, he said, look, he said, if you want to build an enduring life, if you want to build a life that's going to be able to traverse every storm, if you want to build a life that's going to be able to take you through the ups and downs, he said, don't build on sinking sand. He said, don't build on stuff that's going to slip and slide beneath your feet. He said, build on the rock which never shifts and never moves. And that rock is Jesus Christ and His Word. So that's what we've been looking at as we've looked over the subject of, of uh, wisdom. And last month I talked to you about uh, the test, uh, so it was last month, the testimony of my dad. Have we got stuff up on screen there, Sam? We got the, yep. So th- that was the house that I grew up in. 10-bedroom mansion, 
and uh, that was designed um, uh, over a hundred years ago and it cost 5,500 pounds to build in 1906, which was a lot of money back then. And uh, my father lost this house through a credit card debt and a hundred acres of farmland. And so my whole family inheritance went down the gurgler through a $10,000 credit card debt where the bank moved on it. They made my father bankrupt over 10 grand because he had no way of paying that debt off. He was asset rich and cash poor. And he was a poor, and, and you know, I, I shared that, you know, when I talk about my dad, I love my dad and I'm so glad that my dad found Christ before he went to be with Jesus. And so he wouldn't mind if I'm sharing a lesson out of his life to help you uh, to be a blessing. And so, you know, really, uh, because the, the Bible says that from generation to generation, that a man is to leave an inheritance for his children and his children's children, that we're to build a legacy for those in our family. That's part of the scripture. And so my legacy started again at zero. As I entered adult life, we had nothing. And so we've had to build from scratch with the Lord and by God's grace and His love, being on a pastor's wage for 35 years. Um, it's, been, it's been tough at times. It's been challenging seasons within our life. But by putting into practice the Word of God, over our life, we've been able to come to a place where we've seen year after year God's hand resting upon us as I share some of the principles that I'm about to share with you today as to what God has done. And uh, in our part one of this message on our relationship to money, we talked about a man called Zacchaeus. And I'm not going to spend a long time, but I just want to remind you that Zacchaeus had an encounter with Jesus Christ, where Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus's house. He was very forward. Zacchaeus, come down out of that tree. I'm coming to your place for lunch. And so he went to this man Zacchaeus' place for lunch and everybody thought, Jesus, what on earth? Don't you know this guy rips off his own countrymen. He puts 20% on top of the taxes that he collects and he makes his own countrymen pay 20% more than what the Roman government in charge. And he's living off the fat of this corrupt practice. And you want to go and spend and have fellowship with this guy? Jesus, I think you got it all wrong. But you know what happened at the end of that afternoon with Zacchaeus? The most amazing thing. He said, he said this, Jesus, out of my encounter with you today, You've reconciled my, this is paraphrase, you've reconciled my soul. I now know forgiveness in my life. I know what it's like to receive a conscience that's been cleansed by you granting me a pardon. And as a result of that reconciliation with you, I'm now going to reconcile my finances. And if I've stolen off anybody, I'm going to restore back to them fourfold four times what I've taken from them. And not only that, Jesus, but as a result of my encounter with you today, I'm going to give over half of all my goods that I have to the poor, to those that don't have anything. That's a pretty big encounter, isn't it? And here's the point. So many I've run into over the years, they love God. They've had that encounter like Zacchaeus had. They've, they've been reconciled back to God. They know what it means to receive forgiveness of sins. They've received the gift of eternal life, but they yet haven't had a second reconciliation with Jesus in the realm of their finances. And they have a poor, poor, poor relationship to money 
in their life. And as a result of that, it plagues them week in, week out. Money and the topic of money is never far from their household or from their lips because of a poor attitude towards money. Friends, could it be today that not only do we need the first reconciliation with God to have our soul saved, but we need to get our money saved. We need to get our attitude towards money reconciled before the Lord. Because when you are free in that realm, there is something of the blessing and the favour of God that God can now use you as a vessel to bless other people. But if you're so tied up in debt and you're so tied up in poor attitudes, whether it be greed or whether it be poverty to do with your money, you're locked up and God can't use you the way that He desires to. And in a generation today that that says, buy till you die, spend to the end. In a generation that is, is it's the credit generation. If you want it, put it on tick. Grab the credit card, go for it. You know, have that, I think it's Nigel Ladder at the moment. Anyone watching the Money Series on TV? He's a great guy. But he talks about the four different personalities and there's the power spender. The power spender who comes home with, you know, the the lady comes home to her husband and she's got five big shopping uh, bags full of, you know, clothes from from these um, retail uh, outlets. And she says to her husband, I saved us 50% today because they were all on sale. (laughs) The power spender. But we live in a power spending generation. Is that not true? We're encouraged in every front. So let's believe today and even today, God may want to give you a reconciliation in your heart to do with the realm of money this morning. So we have five clear foundations that we're building a good relationship to money within our life. And the first belief that we have is, which we talked about last time, was that all I have comes from God. Amen? All I have. The Bible says that every good gift comes from above. Amen. That God is a good God and that we reconcile. There's no such thing in God's book as a self-made man or a self-made woman. Amen. We talk about real estate. What is real estate? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That's real estate. God owns the whole thing. He's got it on. This planet's on lend to us. We are stewards of of what God has made. So number one, all I have. Number two, I can live joyfully within God's current provision levels for my life. In other words, I don't have to step outside the boundaries of my income limitations and overspend in order to live a joyful life. But I can live a joyful life within the boundaries that my income has set. And I can learn, like Paul learnt, to be content at any stage of his life. And we talked about how Paul said, I've known seasons in my life of overflowing abundance. And I've known seasons in my life when I've had to fast and I've had to go without food. But whatever situation I'm in, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't that awesome? What a great attitude to have. So that's our second belief is that we're going to live within the boundaries and not go over this where you're, you're borrowing from Peter 
to pay Paul. You're borrowing from credit card number one in order to pay credit card number two. And you've got this domino effect going on where you've just got all these different things that are happening in which you're just trying to keep yourself afloat today. So are we all on board this morning? Have we all got our ears on today? Um, I understand that, uh, um, and as I prefaced, if you're not part of this church on a regular basis, I've only spoken on money twice in five years. So you come to the church, there he goes, there's that money-grubbing pastor again. He's talking about money. That's all pastors talk about. Friends, we don't even have offering talks in this church because we understand that God owns it all. Amen. He, he owns it all and everything that we have is on lend from Him. Praise the living God today. So um, we don't have to get into that trap of looking over the fence at our neighbour and trying to compete with our neighbour, trying to keep up with the Joneses. But we can, sorry about that, the Joneses. Uh, we can, uh, we, we're not keeping up with the Joneses. We have the Joneses over here uh, today. Lovely people they are. We, we could never keep up with the Joneses, let's face it. So, um, you know, it comes from a false belief, this whole thing of living outside of the boundaries of your income thing, is that you'll be happier, the more you have, the happier you will be. And every research poll, in fact, Gallup Research Poll, who are a reputable research organisation, a few years ago, they polled nations of the world. And the wealthiest nations of the world were way down the list on the happiness scale. Many of the poorest nations of the world were the happiest people. Doesn't that teach us a lesson, friends, today? That money and, and assets and all those things uh, that's not really what's going to make you happy at the end of the day. Happiness is an inner thing. It's an inner joy that comes from our relationship with God. So today, buckle in. Belief number three. We've got belief number three, four, and five as we finish this one on relationship to money. So belief number three, the tithe. I honour God by giving the first tenth of all my earnings to His purposes in the world. And I want to tell you, I can teach one, I can teach as one with authority today as I put this into practice for three decades of my life and every single year of my life as I've put this into practice over my life, God's Word has come to pass over my life. And we're about to find out some incredible promises of God in the Scriptures in regard to this. And, and I know as we get into this subject, sometimes the room can go very quiet. Very quiet. So I just want to declare a guilt-free zone across the church right now. Whether you tithe or whether you do not tithe today, I'm simply here as the leader of this church to teach you the Scriptures that, so that you can understand this principle within your life. And when you understand what I'm about to share with you today, this principle becomes something very exciting in your life because many people look at it from the wrong angle. And I want to teach you a different angle on this today. So Proverbs 3 verse 9 says this, Honour the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your, of all your increase. So when you get paid this week, are you having an increase? Absolutely. So honour the Lord with all your increase, verse 10, so your barns will be filled with, and your vats will 
with new wine. Don't get carried away on the wine part, okay? Just get carried away on the overflow part today. So we see here words like increase, plenty, overflow. So when a person, the Bible says, when a person is prepared before they do anything else with their increase, when a person is prepared not to pay their bills first, not to, uh, not to set aside household utilities and income first, but when a person is prepared first to put aside the first fruits of their increase, then the Word of God promises that your house will be filled with plenty and you will overflow with an abundance that comes from the house of the Lord, from heaven itself. So let's get into a Malachi scripture today. Oh, he's going, he's going, oh, he's going to the Malachi chapter 3. Well, let's go and see what Malachi chapter 3 has to say to us this morning, shall we? Verse 7, we'll take it from a little bit further down. Yet from the days of your fathers, this is the Lord speaking to the children of Israel, you have gone away from my ordinances and you have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you says the Lord of hosts. But you have said to me, in what way shall we return? So there's a little bit of self-justification going on here. Oh, I thought I was doing okay. You're saying that I have to return to you. How do you want me to return to you, Lord? Verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this. This is one of the only parts in the Bible where the Lord challenges you and I to test Him. Isn't that amazing? He's going, go on then, test me, test me, try me. Probably not like that, but he's saying, he's saying, put me to the test in what I'm about to tell you, and I'll show you how this works. Wow. Okay, Lord, we're listening. And he doesn't mean, try, try me. You're a trial. You're a trial to me. He's not talking about that. All right. He's saying, test me in this principle that I'm about to teach you. And he says, if you'll do this, I, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations, what nations? Everybody knows Israel is surrounded by other nations apart from the Mediterranean Sea. On every other boundary, we've got Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Egypt. Israel is surrounded by other nations. And the Lord is saying, if you will give me the tenth, the first fruits of all your income, and if you will bring it into the storehouse, watch me. I'm going to, as you bring your offering, the windows of heaven are going to open over your life, and I'm going to pour out upon you such a blessing that all the nations that surround you are going to go, huh? What happened? They had a famine. They were poverty stricken. 
Now they're overflowing. Their storehouses are overflowing. Their vats are overflowing. They're blessed beyond blessing. Why? Because the Lord said, you've stopped stealing from me that which I said doesn't belong to you. The first fruits belongs to me. Wow. I knew it was going to go quiet in here. So he says to them, return to me. Return to me. In other words, they were away from God and God said, this is a big deal to me because we know that our money and our hearts are inextricably linked together. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And uh, Jesus said this, he said, why should I give you more if you can't even be faithful with the little I've already given to you? That's the, that's the words of Christ. So you're saying, you're praying for more, and Jesus is saying, why should I give you more if you, I can't even entrust you with the first fruits to give them back to me? There's something wrong here. When you're faithful in the small things, then you are positioning yourself and putting yourself into a place of increase before me today. So, <clears throat> it's, it's, I, I find the, the language that the Lord uses in this, is, it's pretty straight. There's no two ways about it. He said, how shall you return to me? He said, you've robbed me. You've literally been committing spiritual fraud. You've been robbing me because I said, in this relationship of worship, let's forget about the law. Let's forget about the Ten Commandments. Let's talk about what the premise on which God builds a relationship with us is through His Son, Jesus Christ, and through what He's done on behalf. We can enjoy a relationship with Jesus. It's a relationship of worship. It's a connection of worship. And so God's saying that you couldn't even, out of your relationship with me, honour me with the first tenth. Therefore, I'm going to call it what it is. You've been stealing from me. Because I've asked you to put aside this and you've actually taken it and you've used it for yourself. Therefore, you are robbers and you are thieves. Oh, my ears are burning this morning. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> and so uh, the thing is, friends, and I, and I just want to say a couple of things about this point this morning. The first thing is this, is that, is that tithing... And giving of a tenth of your income to the Lord. Don't see it as law. See it as relationship that requires faith. See it as relationship that requires faith. Why do I say that? Because many of us are maxed out 100% of our income in order for our households to function. Everything's designated. Well, in some cases it is. Some cases, some of us don't know what's going on. But it should be designated. And so the Lord's now saying, minus 10%. I now want you to function your household on 90% of your income because I'm asking for the first 10th. Now that step requires faith for you to enter into. Because I'm now understanding that God is saying to me, if you're asking me to do it, then you're going to provide supernaturally for me. But for me to understand that, I've got to have a relationship of faith towards God that what God has promised, He's able to perform. 
Can I hear an amen this morning? And so this is what Hebrews says about faith. Verse 6, chapter 11. But without faith, it is? It is? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So as I enter into part of my worship of setting aside the tithe, I'm entering into exercising my faith over my finances that as I honour God with that 10%, I'm now stepping out and living by faith that God is going to continue to provide for me because He wouldn't ask for something from me and then make me poverty stricken and not able to function in my role to do with money this morning. So let's just, let me just illustrate this a little this morning. We have, we have Jim. Jim, are there any Jims in the house today apart from me? Jim. All right. We have Jim. Now Jim, Jim and Mike have been friends for a while. And uh, Jim uh, says to Mike, buddy, he says, for me to function for me to function, I need to from get from A to B, I need to spend 100% of my income to get from A to B. Now, they've been friends for a, for a long time, been Christians about the same amount of time. Mike says to Jim, well, Jim, that's your decision that you've got to make. But I've been exposed to the teachings of Scripture. And I understand that God wants me to get from A to B on 90% of my income because he's asked me to exercise faith and to give 10%. That 10%, that tithe that I'm giving to God, I'm giving out of faith, not duress, not an ugly spirit, not under duress and hardship, but out of worship, I give and bring God the 10th of my income to him and I enter into a dynamic relationship of faith. But you see, what Jim doesn't understand, Jim thinks that Mike is crazy. Jim thinks, Mike, how, how does that equation work? You need 100% to get to B, but you're saying I'm going to get there by having 90% because you're going to give away 10% to the Lord and to the things of God and the work of God. You see, point C is something that, that uh, Mike now brings into consideration. He says, well, Jim, he says, guess what I've discovered? I've discovered that there's a, there's, a, there's a point C that, that isn't even on your radar because you're trying through your own strength to get from A to B under your own steam. And God has said to me that if I'm prepared to tithe and give a tenth, then there's a supernatural point C that begins to open up to me called the blessing, the overflow, the abundance of God's house that is in my hand. And the blessing and the overflow extends me beyond 100%. And I'm now living in supernatural miracle territory. Do you see that? And that's the dynamic of a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not rules and regulations. This is all about that dynamic relationship that we enter, to, enter into where the just shall live by faith. The just shall walk by faith today. And so we see that, uh, that Jim's roadmap, he doesn't even know about C. C isn't even on his radar. C hasn't appeared to him because he's trying to function completely in his own strength. Whereas Mike says, no, brother, this is what the Word of God says. I'm putting aside, I'm going to honour the Lord with all my possessions and with the first fruits, and I'm going to lay aside 10%. And you know what's going to happen? 
Jim, you're going to miss out on the supernatural excitement of living in a relationship with God where somehow God's going to cause this, this equation to work where I go beyond living in the realm of a life from A to B and I'm entering into a life from B to C. You should join me, bro, because B to C is an exciting life to see the supernatural hand of God at work. Isn't that cool? Absolutely awesome this morning. And you know, there's every single Christ follower that I've ever known, including my own life and my own experience, uh, those who practice uh, the, ten, the tithe and the 10%, I have heard time and again see stories appear on their testimony radar as a result of God injecting stuff into their life over and above what they would normally factor into their budget in the name of Jesus. So, praise the Lord. Are you still with me today? So, what type of person do you want to be today? Do you want to be an A to B person only? Or do you want to enter into a B to C relationship with Jesus Christ? You know, when I, somebody first told me before I read the Scriptures about this life of giving the tithe, I honestly, I said to them, this has got to be the greatest scam of the century. You're honestly asking me to set aside 10% of my income and give it to the church. Is, is that, did I hear you right? Is, is that what you're saying to me? And I said, come on, this is just a scam. You guys are going to get rich off this. And, uh, and so he said, to, so my mentor said to me, I tell you what, why don't we just have a look in the Scriptures and then I want you to reread them and then I want you to come back and let's have another conversation. So I read the Scriptures and of course, when you read the Scriptures for what they say, the Word of God got deeply into my heart. And for 35 years now, I've practiced going from living beyond a life from A to B. And I've discovered sea story after sea story after sea story of the supernatural hand of God at work. Why don't we give the God a hand this morning in the name of Jesus. You can live Jim's life, but his life will be very boring. It will be very stressful. And you will always be looking at making your sums work. Whereas if you're prepared to give that that tenth that we're talking about here, you will see time and time again. And you know what? We get a double blessing in New Zealand. We have a very generous government. If you give to a registered charity, any charity, not just a church, but any registered charity and keep your receipts, you can claim those receipts on the 1st of April every year. I get mine in about 2nd or 3rd of April. As soon as the church secretary has given me my receipt, I send it off to the IRD and the IRD, uh, they, they, by some supernatural miracle, they have my bank account number. And before long, bling, there is 33% of every dollar I have given to the church that comes back to me and boomerangs back from the IRD. If you're giving to a charity, any charity that's registered, please make sure you get your receipts. And if you haven't claimed a rebate, for some years now, collect all your receipts up and go for a five-year wallop from the Inland Revenue. And they will backdate it for you. As long as you have the evidence of what you've been doing, you can get money back off them if you have not claimed on your tax rebates. Can somebody say amen to that today? Praise God. So belief number four, I set aside a portion of all my earnings in a savings account for these things, emergencies, other giving opportunities, and for my later years. I always used to think the later years were a long way away. 
The later years seem to be creeping up on me for some reason. I don't know if it's about my hair color or what it is. But uh, here's the fourth principle. Set aside a portion of your earnings. Now look, you can determine what that is by your budget. But this is wisdom and this is what the ants will tell us. The ants? Are we talking about Marvel cartoons here? No, we're not. We're talking about the Scriptures. Proverbs 6, verse 6. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Why? Because ants are diligent. They're hardworking. They have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, but they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. What a principle. Here is the principle of your financial life that will greatly bless you and be a blessing to others along the way. Decide and choose a portion or a percentage of your income and rifle it away into a savings account. Make it one that it's very hard to extract funds from. All right, and put it into that account and become like the ant who work hard in the summer because they know a winter season is coming. And we all know what winter seasons are like. A year after I moved into my last house uh, that we brought, one year after, when I looked at my hot water cylinder, when I brought the house, it looked perfectly okay. Then suddenly one day Viv said to me, have you seen the stain on the hallway carpet? And I said, no, I haven't. And I went and had a look and my hot water cylinder had sprung a leak. And so I knew the inevitable news would be, it was calling the plumber who said, I'm sorry, you are going to have to replace your hot water cylinder. Now that wasn't in my budget. That was $2,000 worth of hot water cylinder that needed to be replaced. And if you don't have emergency funds to replace items like this, it might be something to do with your alternator in your car. It might be your radiator that suddenly sprung a leak and you're going to have to get your radiator replaced. Now, if you haven't set aside an emergency fund, then this is what you're going to find. You're going to find yourself in difficult trouble and difficult times. Be like the ant and set aside a portion so you don't get turned uh, that you don't get uh, into a spot of difficulty. So you said to me, well, Pastor James, I can't, I can't even afford only 5%. Well, let's take a look at the sum. If you're earning $800 a week, 5% of $800 is $40. You say, well, that's not much. But $40 multiplied by $52 has now suddenly, after 52 weeks, one year, has now turned into $2,000. And $80. Wow, I can pay for my hot water cylinder because I've been setting aside a portion of my income in which I can now meet that emergency. And we'll get on to something else in the, in the last principle now. The, the ideal equation that we can all aim for is what I call the 10-10-80 principle. The 10-10-80 principle, I believe, is a great principle of wisdom that incorporates the tithe and incorporates the offering or emergency funds, the other 10%, and which you are now believing God that you can live off 80% of your income for your everyday living. The 10-10-80 principle is a great thing to aim towards. Now, I know today that many of you may not be able to look at even going there. You're still looking at the 10-90 Right now, you're looking at the 1090 thinking, okay, how am I going to do the 1090? 
All right? Well, don't try and work it out. You just have to be obedient in that realm and watch B to C suddenly miraculously appear around about your life. But this is the one in which we aim for. So last principle today on this one in relationship to money. Number five, I live each day with an open ear toward heaven, eager to respond, amen, to any whisper from God regarding my resources. Okay, what does that mean? Well, right now, some of us in this room, if God was to whisper in your ear about diverting some of your resource, you know what your answer would be? I'm sorry, Lord, I can't do that because I don't have the money. I don't have the money. This is what freedom over your finances can bring to you in your household is the blessing of being a blessing. Where you can live with such freedom that at any point in time, you can be open to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, everything that I have is yours. If you need to divert something somewhere else at this present point of time, then you just need to whisper into my ear and I will be obedient. And suddenly you become a channel of blessing to other people's lives. So how do you do it? It's quite simple. It's just like breathing. You inhale, you exhale. You listen, you pray. You listen, you pray. You pray. God listens and responds. He then whispers and you listen and respond. Some of you looking cross-eyed at me today. How many of you understand what I'm talking about today? Give me a wave. All right. Praise the Lord. We're getting it this morning. And so this is what happens. When we reconcile our, our attitude towards money and our relationship towards money, and we begin to live by these five simple beliefs, all of a sudden the whole game changes in our lives. And money is no longer a curse word to us. Money is no longer just a worry wart subject on our lives. We were wondering how on earth we're going to pay the power bill, how on earth we're going to get the groceries to pay for our, to feed our family this week. When we start bringing all this into divine order, all of a sudden this topic becomes a topic of blessing and embrace within your life where you are able to see the hand of God moving in and through your life and so this is how it goes, friends, at the end of this, is that your conversations with the Lord can change substantially. And so you can, so first of all, the first principle, you can begin to pray and you can begin to say, Lord, I'm living joyfully within the provision guidelines that have been set out for me. I'm living within my income levels and I'm doing it not out of a bad heart, not out of a stingy spirit, but I'm living joyfully within those boundaries that you have set for me and without crippling debt that is determining my steps and actions over my life because basically I've put things on credit, I've put things on tick and I'm borrowing from Peter to pay Paul and my finances are in a mess and they are crippling me. And you're able to then say to the Lord, because I'm gonna be a B to C Christian and I'm believing God for some C stories over my life, 
I can honour you with the first fruits of my income, of all the increase of my house. And because of that, my barns shall overflow with plenty and my vat shall be filled with new wine. In other words, the provision of God, the windows of heaven will be opened over my life because I've actioned that principle and I'm not doing it out of a rule-based attitude. I'm doing it out of relationship through faith saying, God, I'm so excited about what you're gonna do over my finances because I know I've obeyed the Scriptures and I've honoured you with that 10%. Now I know that stuff is coming my way that, that has literally been authorised by the King of Kings Himself and it's coming into my mailbox. It's coming my way through a friend, through a family member, through someone, through the IRD. Somehow it's coming. The IRD is supposed to take from you, not give to you. And somehow it's boomeranging back to you because of your obedience to the Lord. And then you're saying, God, because I've obeyed this principle and I've set aside a portion of my finances like the ant, I've been busy in the summer because I realise in my life, I realise in my world, and everyone's world, there's four seasons to the year. I might, be, I might be living it up in summer, out there getting my tan, enjoying the summer season. Everything's just flowing. It's just a great life. But just around the corner, you know what comes? is winter. And winter seasons hit us all. And if you, like the ant, haven't stored away for the winter seasons in your life, then suddenly you can be, become crippled within your finances and you can find yourself struggling with bad attitudes, with difficulties, where God can no longer use you as a channel of blessing. How many of you love to bless others? How many of you love to be that channel where you can just make a difference in a person's life? And you know how you do it? You don't do it through duress. You do it out of worship where suddenly you're asking the Lord, Lord, out of everything that you've given to me, how can I be a blessing to you? And suddenly He whispers something in your ear and you can do it with joy. You can do it with love because God has gotten the attitudes of your heart sorted out to do with money today. Why don't we stand to our feet?